This episode has been brought to you by CompleteNutra.com, whole family nutrition. Welcome to the Healthy and Family Show. Each episode features interviews with doctors, experts, and real moms, revealing their secrets on how to keep you and your whole family holistically healthy. Your host is David A. Stone, award-winning movie producer, Amazon best-selling author, certified Moringa grower, and founder of CompleteNutra.com, whole family nutrition, which is committed to providing the highest quality, science-backed, non-GMO, all-natural nutritional supplements to keep your whole family healthy. Here's David. Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is David A. Stone, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Healthy and Family Show. If you're tuning in, that means that you believe that the health and wellness of your family should be top priority, but maybe you're a little bit confused with all the conflicting health advice out there. So our goal with this show is to reveal the tactics that doctors, experts, and real moms use to keep you and your whole family holistically healthy. I'm very excited to introduce to you today a longtime friend of mine and my pastor, John Mitchell. Now, John Mitchell founded a church here in Phoenix called Poema Church about 15 years ago. Poema Church was what a great experience that was since Poema Church has become New City Church in Phoenix. So if you guys know New City Church, that started with John Mitchell. And so John Mitchell, uh, a whole bunch of the early Poema crew was it brings back a lot of memories but today i'm going to be interviewing john mitchell because this show is the healthy and family show and it's all about holistic health and one of the pillars of holistic health is spiritual health now i have a spiritual foundation based in jesus christ the jesus christ of the bible uh the red letters of the new testament are his words now I talk about it in my book, Your Gold Mind, Brain Digging Gold Guide. When you go through it, it talks a lot about the golden rule. And the golden rule is really important, but Jesus Christ is the reason that that even exists because he said the golden rule. So this episode, I'm gonna be exploring a lot of topics. Now I don't mean for any of this stuff to come off as judgy or anything. In fact, these are just deep questions. These are questions that we should be continually asking ourselves. This was about 15 years ago. It's 2020 right now. This was probably 2005 when I first met John Mitchell. Since then, John Mitchell has written a book called Fire Song, Rediscovering the Ancient Melody. It's a really cool book. So if you guys have any questions about who the person of Jesus was, I recommend go to Amazon and get Fire Song right now. The also, John Mitchell has a series called Theotalk. Now, this is a work Workbook, and we're gonna have some updates on this workbook coming up soon, but Theotalk is a series that you can actually watch for free on YouTube. And if you go to Amazon, you can pick up this workbook and you can go through the workbook on who is Jesus because it's a really interesting topic and it's something I think is very foundational to life. Who is Jesus? Now, I'm really excited to get into our interview with John Mitchell. And before we do, I want to give you a quick word from our sponsor, CompleteNutra.com. Now, we've talked about the, these three products in the last few videos. We've talked about the Complete Essential 6, Complete Turmeric, and Complete Brain and Focus Formula. Now, the reason these are complete is because they have a lot of ingredients that all work synergistically within each one of them. The Brain Formula is complete because we have over 46 all natural ingredients. The Turmeric is complete because we have organic turmeric with organic curcuminoids, 95% curcuminoids. We also have Bioperin, which helps the turmeric and the curcumin get absorbed better into your body. And then we have Essential 6, which is D3, K2, some calcium, and also some Bioperin. And as we spoke about on the last episode, the D3, K2 is extremely important for not only your longevity in an anti-aging scenario, but also to utilize the calcium buildup in your arteries and mobilize it, moving it to where it's supposed to be in your bones, not in your arteries. So these three are considered the anti-aging pack over at CompleteNutra.com. So if you want to support our guests on the show today, and if you want to support your own health at the same time, go to www.CompleteNutra.com, fill up your cart with some incredible formulas, try the anti-aging pack today, which consists of Complete Essential 6, Complete Turmeric, and Complete Brain and Focus Formula. And if you enter the discount code FIRESONG20 at checkout, you will get 20% off your entire order 
of Complete Nutra products. So remember, CompleteNutra.com, enter Firesong20, and you get 20% off your entire products. Firesong is the book that John Mitchell wrote, and if you go to Amazon.com, type in Firesong by John Mitchell and order the book today. And without further ado, I wanna introduce you to John Mitchell. I'm excited to have you on the show because this show is about holistic health and um, the, th the five areas of holistic health that I've kind of determined initially with the beginning of the show was mental health, physical health, spiritual health, um, relational health, and then the fifth one would be financial health. But really, this show is dedicated to interviewing doctors, experts, and real moms. Now, you are an expert. I know you're not a real mom. But, or a doctor. <laughs> but you do have a mom, so that would also, or, or a doctor. <laughs> but, <laughs> so there's a lot of ways you could qualify. Here. And I know doctors. <laughs> exactly. So. But I guess the main way you qualify is because you are an expert on theology. And I've known you, I don't even know how long, was it 2005? When we met? Oh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. 15 yeah. years. It's been, it's been a long time. But it's hard to believe it's been that long. The cool part about our relationship, John, is I've never had anybody else in my life that's helped me with some foundational filters that I, I actually have to use all the time. In fact, these foundational filters, now when I say that, I'm talking about Jesus, like specifically who the Bible says Jesus is and the red letters in the New Testament and mm -hmm. are what he said. And I... I there's a lot of misinterpretations of Jesus. And the reason I'm bringing this up on a holistic health show is because of the spiritual component. Spiritual yeah. health, I think, is a really important part of holistic health. And it's not just spirituality in general. Now, it can be for people, but a lot of people haven't had the chance to get to know Jesus through the lens that you explain him through because I didn't really understand the personal Jesus until I met you. And mm. I go back to that Psalm when it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because for thou yeah. art with me, you know, and, and the re that's an old Testament verse but it's talking about Jehovah God, and I think it could be related to Jesus in the New Testament sure. we're talking about. Shepherd, yeah. But all this stuff is coming to say that if I didn't have what I call a tether, I call Jesus my tether because the, the world is dark, and I like exploring the world, and I have a lot of friends, and I don't have only Christian friends, and in fact, I don't have many Christian friends. But mm. um, when I'm exploring the world, I get sometimes caught up in pockets of darkness. I didn't even know or yeah. mean to get caught up into. If I wouldn't have my tether of Jesus, my the filter to run everything yeah. through the... Now, when I say Jesus, I'm talking about Jesus Christ of Nazareth, born mm -hmm. in Bethlehem of the right. Christian Bible. Like a lot of times people will claim that they also have a relationship with Jesus, but they may be talking about a, a different version of Jesus. Anyways... Right. So this is just a big thing for me to introduce you because you've had a foundational impact in my life. And I wow. just I just want to say, first off, thanks for that. <laughs> oh, well, it's an honor to be friends, yeah. Dave. And I've learned a ton from you <laughs> over the years as well. And we've had a lot of fun. Definitely a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> as well. So it's just humbling. It's a total honor. Awesome. Uh, to be with you today, too. Yeah, thank you. So let's get started. I, I, I want to get into... Why is spiritual health an important component of holistic health? And I think you have a whole different maybe paradigm to throw on me there. And then the second component is who was Jesus as a person and why is he important? Yeah. Well, I'll take those questions in order. You know, in my mind, I don't know that I would divide life up into compartments of physical, spiritual, you know, social, et cetera, okay. even though there are compartments. Um, but it, to me, the, the spiritual component, if you will, is the, is the one that holds it all together, right? The spiritual okay. life is what is a river that runs through it, if I can mm. borrow <laughs> a phrase here, um, that everything is ultimately spiritual because we were created by God for a relationship with him that we were created in God's image uh, to reflect his glory as mm -hmm. human beings. And in doing so, we flourish. 
in not doing so, we do something less than flourish. And so the spiritual life, if we could define that as our connectedness to God, the mm-hmm. one whose image we bear, then becomes uh, the river that runs through it becomes the, uh, the, the thing that, that makes everything else make sense. Uh, so that God is the foundation. The spiritual life is foundational and permeates, uh, every other aspect of life. Does that make a little sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing that gets a little bit mind blowing is made in the image of God. Mm. And I think sometimes yeah. people might even mistake that. And actually I have a lot of friends. I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying anybody's necessarily wrong. I'm just saying I don't believe what they believe. But um, I think the big question has been multiple gods versus the one true God or, yeah. you know, like yeah. made in the image of God is different than being God. Right. Yeah, that's right. It's like, uh, yeah, that's. I'm really glad you brought that up um, because God is God and we are not. And I think that's the most fundamental principle in life. And even though um, that grates against our humanity, I would say it, it grates against our fallen humanity, our desire to usurp mm. God. Uh, it's when we find ourselves in and under God, the one who made us to reflect him, so much so that we can relate to him but still be under him. And when we find ourselves in and under him, that's when we flourish. Because, again, we're connecting to the very source of life. And so I like the word tether you for that reason. What's that? We're made to reflect God. So we are not God. We are meant, maybe being made in his image means that we are intended to reflect him. Because I don't think animals can reflect him. Or maybe, yeah, they can. They can. Just as far as being part of the creation. Well, not like human beings do because, you know, we're given this this spiritual capacity that animals don't have, this, this uh, a capacity to um, not only discern right and wrong, but to actually relate to God. And in that sense, that's why human oh, beings yeah. were right. by God to, to um, govern uh, the planet, even animals. Um, I would look at it like this, Dave. I, I think of it as just like the moon doesn't have any light in and of itself, mm-hmm. but it only reflects the light of the sun, we see the beauty of at least one side of the moon um, because it reflects uh, the light of the sun. And in a sense, the moon was made for that purpose. Uh, in a in a real sense, we were made for that purpose. Mm, that's great. Yeah, the moon. It's dark. It's dark. The moon thrown is thrown down some astronomy now. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I love the reflection side because the moon is not the sun. The sun is the right. sun. The moon just reflects yeah. the sun on to the earth yeah. and shines pretty bright on a full moon night, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's a great analogy now that I think about it because the light of, of the moon that, that uh, reflects re- – the light from the sun that reflects off the moon does illuminate the earth. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, we were meant to live in the light of God and reflect the light of God on the earth. Mm. And that's when we're most satisfied. That's when we're most fulfilled. That's when our relationships will be what they were meant to be. I believe that's when we will physically be who we were meant to be. Uh, and that's where the spiritual begins to intersect with the, the social and the physical and the, the other sociological aspects of culture and those things. Yeah. How do we reflect the light of God? How do you mean? Um, I mean, yeah. In what, what does that look in like? What sense, or how do we do it in terms I mean, practically, or both? I mean, both. You know, what, what is that? It's like, yeah, that sounds good to re- be a reflect, reflect the light of God. But well, yeah, I guess more practically, what does that look like? Well, I mean, I think you know, human beings, we all we're driven by purpose. We're driven by a search for uh, for for ultimate purpose and mm-hmm. and meaning and value and rightness and justice. All of those things reflect God's character, and uh, it's, it's interesting. Even those who would claim to have no spiritual life at all still have a sense of value, purpose, justice. Um, I would just question whether they can really ground that in a godless universe. Mm. Uh, and so we reflect those things, uh, I believe, first by connecting with God. And by, by seeing him as he is, by enjoying him as he is, by finding ourselves in and under him, that's just what justice is, the way things ought to be in our own spirit, 
in our own body, in our own community, in our own culture. Yeah. So I guess there's actually three groups of people. There's people that believe that there's one true God. There's people that believe that there's multiple gods. And there's people that believe that there is no God. Yeah. Like and then you can throw separate. in. Yeah. I mean, then there are people who there, there are such radically different definitions of God. Right. Uh, some believe that everything is God, you know, so, so yes and no, I don't know how far we want to go down that rabbit hole, but yeah, I think well, yeah, generally, I, mean, I think the idea behind all that is that's, that is the rabbit hole. That's what you're, that's the point. Those are all, everything is a rabbit hole. Anything you choose huh. to like learn becomes yeah. a rabbit hole. And this yeah. is why I find the red letters so comforting because the Bible's big. I mean, it's like, hey, go read the Bible every day. Yeah, but I know. even if you do, you don't, whatever. The idea is the red letters make the Bible smaller to me. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's you mean the words of Jesus, the, right? The words of Jesus in the New Testament because when you actually are able to find a red letter Bible and you could go to the New Testament and you could look at yeah. the, the words in red, that's what Jesus said. Now it's right. been translated into that translation of Bible. So, but when you look back, all the way back to the Aramaic or whatever, all the way to the early book books, it translates the same. I mean, it's the it's same same general words, right? Remarkably the same. Yeah. Now I say that, and I know that means so many different things to so many different people. When I say that, yeah. I'm, t I'm talking Jesus. But also, when I say Jesus, I don't know what people think about. They might think about war. Christian Catholic Church, like control, politics. People think they don't like Jesus because of all these things that other people have put on to Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So if you, if you, I, I like to um, take a, a bit of a C.S. Lewis approach. C.S. Lewis was a, a great scholar of the mid 20th century. And he has a book, he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia and, and you're yeah, familiar with uh -huh, Locke. Definitely. But in his book, Mere Christianity, what he tries to do is kind of br bring Christianity and the person of Jesus, you know, to the nub, you know, what, who is he and, and what was his message really about? And, you know, I think that that's a very healthy approach. Um, and the way I look at it is on the center of the page, who Jesus is and what he's about is really clear. And the further you go from the center to the edges of the page, the more you get into some interesting questions. And I think it's fair to discuss those things. Hmm. But Jesus really clearly claimed to be the one who came to fulfill the ancient promise of God all the way back in Genesis 3.15 uh, after Adam and Eve fell into sin and alienated themselves from God. And if you think about that, if you alienate yourself from the source of life, that's going to mess you up. Right. Absolutely. And so mankind was really jacked up and that's where evil comes from. And, you know, all those sorts of things, uh, pain and suffering and death and even bodily dysfunction, because we became alienated from ourselves uh, as well as from one another, mm. as well as from the rest of creation. Wow. Uh, and so God promises in Genesis 315, he's going to send a champion, uh, a messiah. Also in Greek, that's Christ to um, destroy the works of the devil, conquer the power of sin, lift us from our fall, and restore to us life as it was meant to be in and under him. That's really the, 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 the seminal promise in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is all about just unfolding that promise until you come to the Gospels, where we find Jesus, who in his very first utterance uh, says, hey, the kingdom has come. Basically, because I, the king, have come. The, the promised new covenant kingdom has come. And, and I'm about to, to make it happen. And then so, so Jesus lives the perfect life that we don't live. And he, he talks about what life was meant to be. For example, in the Sermon on the Mount. I know you're a big Sermon on the Mount fan. I've been reading it in the last, this, last week. It's, it's really, really great the more yeah. I read it. Yeah. But it's challenging, too. It's, and it's challenging, kind of like, yeah. It's like a gut punch at the same time. Yeah. Or like a really, a really intense chiropractic visit. You know, it's really deep. Adjust. And, you know, you I know? read it in every version. If you go Amplified or Student Bible and if you go it's The good. Message and if you go King James, kind of give it all the versions. Boy, you, it is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So he lays out what life in a restored kingdom in the restored kingdom would look like or life, what it was meant to be in and under God would feel like and how we relate to ourselves, how we relate to God, how we relate to one another. Uh, it's like and, rules um, for life. It's like if, if someone's like, yeah, nobody ever told yeah. me what to do here in life. Well, this is exact. Jesus is like, 
This is exactly yeah. what you should do. <laughs> it's exactly right. And what, what's really interesting about the Sermon on the Mount is it begins with what is called the Beatitudes. The Latin beatus means virtue um, that, that you know begins with what, a, what kind of a kind of a person you are that lives this kind of life. And what's fascinating is he starts off by saying that the, the greatest virtue we can have is the knowledge that we are unable to live rightly apart from God's grace because we've rebelled against him. We need his help. We need to be reconnected to him so that he can live in and through us. So it's not like Jesus says, I'm just going to give you a new ethic to follow. He says, hey, you were created for a relationship with God. You rebelled against that relationship. Here's what life is supposed to look like. Let me bring you back there by living the perfect life you don't live. And here's what's fascinating. He predicted and pulled off his own death and resurrection from the dead, through which he would cancel our sins that separated us from God in order to bring us back into a right relationship with God. And through his resurrection, he brings us newness of life so that we, we can begin to live out the life we were created to live in and under him. Wow! And that's really who Jesus is, why he came and what Christianity is in a nutshell. That's interesting because I did just get the question from a friend of mine, really great friend of mine. He said, he asked me, what's the different, what, what do you, what do you think about the other ascended masters? And he was, cause he kind of says like, Jesus, yeah. a lot of time is put in the same category with other ascended masters is what people are calling them like Buddha, Krishna, or other, whoever people consider ascended masters. Sure. Um, so what would you say? Like, uh, how is Jesus different from it's kind of what you just said, but how, how is Jesus different from other ascended masters? Well, I would say he's the only one of the ascended masters that actually ascended. Uh, <laughs> oh, interesting. OK, why do you say words, that? He literally rose bodily from the dead and historical right. evidence for this is just overwhelming. So that unless you begin with the assumption that such a thing simply won't happen, mm. then you'd have to conclude it did. And I'm actually I have a, a podcast called Theotalk. It's a it's really a, mm -hmm. a vlog, I guess. And um, uh, I'm, I'm talking about that in a series now called Undeniable Realities, Why I'm a Christian. I'm actually mm -hmm. on that particular episode on evidence for the resurrection. It's just profound. Wow. And yes. so the difference is that Jesus actually rose from the dead, thereby proving everything else he said and did was true. And that his sacrifice was acceptable to God the Father so that, in fact, he accomplished what he came to do, to bring us wholeness with God that brings us wholeness with ourselves, one another, and the rest of creation. And that's why I said, if I can loop all the way back, that this is the foundation of everything. This is the fountain of every other component of life. You have to start down there in order for it to spring up into all the different aspects of living, if wow. that's a analogy. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I remember you talking about vertical first before horizontal. I mean, there's that one yeah. Hoosier song, you know, that song like, take me to church. I'll worship <laughs> like a dog at the shrine of your lies. The interesting yeah. part about that, that song is it sounds like a gospel song, but he's basically saying he will worship the woman at the shrine yeah. of her lies is the lyrics. Right. Yeah. And, um, I will tell you my sins as you sharpen the knife. That's the other lyric, right? So it's just people, I think that song did really well because I think there's an innate, maybe part of our fallen nature that wants to be worshiped. And like, I think yeah. sometimes we fall in a trap relationally to find yeah. a person and in a relationship, we accidentally start worshiping that other person or the other yeah. person starts worshiping us. And it actually never feels great to be the worshiper or the worshipee of right. a relationship. Um, I think so good. that's why a lot of relationships don't work in my past. It's kind of what's happened. And I've had to learn. I'm still learning how to become the person before I really yeah. take that next oh, step. Oh, me too. Awesome. <laughs> What's interesting is not, none of us were made to be worshipped. We were made to worship. Mm. And so the reason that's a great point you made, Dave. The reason we don't feel good as worshippers of other people is that we know there are other people and we know we're, we're not really, they're not really worthy of our worship. They're going to let us down. They do let us down and then we're dashed. And, and, yeah. and on the other hand, it, it's scary to be worshipped because we realize just, I'm going to act, know, I don't let people down sometimes. We yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So this also, one of the things that, um, you believe 
deeply, and I can tell because you're speaking it really with authority right now, is the proof aspect of things. Like, uh, I know a lot of people actually that are like, the Bible is a great story. It sounds great. It's it's uh, imagination. And I, until you can, ra- until you can, none of this actually becomes more than imagination until you can wrap your head around the accuracy of the Bible. I mean, how, yeah. how does that work? The accuracy of the Bible? How can we be sure that this stuff is historical? Well, you know, that'd be a, that would be a whole series of podcasts. I will say <laughs> okay. that I'm, I touch on that in my Theotalk mm-hmm. series. And I'm also, I also give resources for that. But I think if you simply apply the same uh, bibliographical tests to the New Testament, for example, that you apply to any other ancient work, no other ancient work uh, in in history, uh, I guess that's redundant, ancient works in history, but <laughs> no other ancient work um, even comes close to the to the veracity of the New Testament. The number of manuscripts we have allow us to test and see if and what things were changed all the way back to the very beginning. Uh, we can reconstruct the entire New Testament uh, you know, by something like, I think within the first century or maybe by the year 150, I'd have to go back and look just based on quotations and sermons of Christians. Um, other factors come in like the Gospels, for example, were written much more earlier, much more early than we thought. They just found a, a copy of the Gospel of Mark uh, in Egypt uh, dating to A.D. 40. And it was shredded and being used as stuffing, which means it was very, very old. It was even older than that. Well, Jesus died and rose again in 30 A.D. So that means in less than 10 years, a copy of one of the Gospels had become stuffing. And so that shows that that the record itself goes all the way back to the very lifetime of Christ. And we see this over and over again. The Gospels themselves were written during a time uh, when there were hundreds, thousands of eyewitnesses who could, who could uh, fact check everything. And not only that, but those uh, who were writing the Gospels, uh, uh, because they were telling the truth about Jesus living, dying and rising, their lives were in danger. They, they lost everything. Mm, yeah, that's there was no power in it. Right. And so those kinds of things converge together with other things like what's included in, for example, the Gospels. You have the failures of Peter. You have Jesus appearing to women after his resurrection first, which in that culture was a no-no. Women had no uh, legal authority. They couldn't testify in court. The only reason you would include such a fact in a historical record is if it actually happened, because it would really hurt your case in that mm. culture. So you, you start to see this convergence of, of factors uh, that really begin to to uh, corroborate one another and build up the veracity of the New Testament. Yeah, I remember you saying, so I can kind of see it visually, there's a map and, you know, all, and it's like, is it thousands of miles of, of area where these documents were found? Like, is it over thousands of miles? Anyways, it's a long way. Do you mean the geographic area across which they've been spread? <laughs> Yeah, so where where we've been yeah. finding all of these different versions of the gospel, yeah. then tracking yeah. them back. Well, the interesting part I'm I'm making that you had made to me back in the day was all of these uh, different the uh, writings of the gospel were all around this territory or region in very yeah. far distances where there was no like post office or anything. Like people had to walk these things everywhere. No post and, office, sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and not only do they have to walk everything, everything where when they when they compare all of these do, these documents from extremely different regions, yeah, they it's, all say the same thing. Well, no, actually they don't. No, but, okay. Well, they do, but you can the, the power of bibliographical evidence, bibliographical bibliographical tests. You can see if and when and where they were changed. So if it says the same thing up until this point, then you have people like the Gnostic writers tweaking Uh things or you have other people, but you can tell that it was tweaked. And so you can see what the original was. Yeah, that is interesting because the original gospels are kind of almost written more like a historical text. Like this is what happened. Like boom, 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 boom. They're not like flowery or like, Two, no. I mean, maybe some of the metaphors you might imagine are flowery, but the Gnostic, Gnostic Gospels yeah. are way more in the whole 
flowery poetry stuff. Theosophical kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Right on. And so the Gnostic Gospels, I mean, should should those be – I mean, they're not part of the Bible. What do you think about those? Yeah, so – well, they're written very late. They were written, you know, 100 years after, uh, you know, probably actually – it depends on how you date it all. But, you know, say 60 to 150 years after the fact. And when you read them, they're clearly written with a theological agenda. They're clearly theologized. And they just don't fit with the ancient gospels. They're clearly being written from a perspective, uh, and instead of just, hey, here's what happened. What do we do now? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you said, the non-flowery, just kind of factual. I was here and I saw it. And here's what happened, and here's what we have to make of it. Yeah, like so. They were in a boat. <laughs> I, I touch on some of these things in my book, Fire Song, as well. Yeah, tell us um, about your and book. And I Fire try Song. to hit a few resources in there for you as well. There's a ton of research you can do on this. Tell us a little bit about the about your book, Fire Song. Well, thanks for asking that. Fire Song. You know, the subtitle is Rediscovering the Ancient Melody, and what I try to do uh, in Fire Song is uh, help us to to remember who we were, who we were meant to be, and therefore who we are as those created by God in and for a relationship with him. And so uh, I chase back kind of the, the underpinnings of Christianity, much like I'm doing in this Undeniable Realities Theotalk series, uh, but I put a, a little more meat on the bones and give you a chance to consider, well, why do I believe about God and, and what does make the most sense? And what about my deepest intuitions and desires? And and I really believe when all is said and done that our deepest intuitions and desires can't be satisfied apart from the person of Jesus and the story he told, the story he embodied, and uh, really the gospel that he brings that calls us back to the ancient way, to who we were because that's really who we long to be. And I explain how we went from there to here, how we fell away from that place, and how God in many ways wants to take us back to Eden, back to the way we were when we were in a right relationship with him, uh, with ourselves and one another. And so uh, with that as kind of the the underlying motif, I, I add in a lot of the, the answers to questions that you've been asking today, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something I keeps coming back to me is uh, remember to remember because I think a lot of times we learn something and then we forget it when life happens, you know, we kind of move on and then we're like, wait, I think I did know that I did. I knew that before. (laughs) Right. Um, And the idea of the ancient melody is that it's a, it's a song we never learned, but we once knew by heart, right? It's a song we sang together in Eden to the glory of God when we were flourishing, when, when we didn't feel this angst and brokenness, this vertical or horizontal brokenness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so how do we get back to that? How do we get back? And what's interesting is that the whole world wants to get back there. Everybody yes. has an idea of how we get back there. What I try to do is to uh, rediscover the ancient melody, the ancient story that defines us so that we can go back there and then move forward into the next chapter of that story. Mm-hmm. Hi, Dr. Jesse Keener here. We're gonna talk about the Complete Nutra Anti-Aging Pack. This is a really fun pack and I'm really glad that I get to participate in it. It's got some of my favorite formulas. One is the brain formula. And if you've heard my other video on the brain product, you know I love brain health and I'm really into brain health. And I'm thrilled that we have this product. This is for mental cognitive performance, helping with short-term memory, helping you kind of pick up the steps, so to speak, with how quickly you process information and retain information. So this is definitely gonna help your brain have more neuroplasticity. I know that's a big word, but it means that your brain is more adaptable. It can, it can even create new networks if it needs to, if you're studying something new. So people under stress, that's students, high school students, college students, busy executives, people that use their brain for their living, doctors, nurses, veterinarians, etc. This is a great pack for you. Moms, you definitely need this pack. Dads, you need this pack. So um, brain health, number one. Number two, we have to target inflammation in the body. Inflammation precedes all disease. So of course, that's a vital part of our anti-aging pack. 
complete turmeric is your answer for reducing inflammation on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's a great product for men, women alike. Definitely anyone under stress needs that. And then we have our complete essential. Now this is a huge area that's sort of over, uh, often overlooked by people, which is having vitamin D3 with its cofactor, its synergistic cofactor K2. So this is our essential six, and that's gonna work perfectly with these other ingredients, promoting immune function, helping reverse any tendencies towards disease processes. You know, it can even alter your genetic performance when you're on the right nutrition. I don't know if you knew that, but that's true. So this is any functional medical doctor, any anti-aging expert out there in the world, worth their weight, is gonna say you really have to start as a fundamental to your anti-aging campaign with something like Essential 6, vitamin D3, and K2. So target the brain, promote brain health, pr promote brain neuroplasticity, target the inflammation in the body. People feel so much better when their inflammation goes down. And target vitamin D3, K2, Essential 6 to promote complete anti-aging for your body with Complete Nutra. CompleteNutra.com, whole family nutrition. There's a really practical aspect about my relationship with Jesus, and that is I'm an entrepreneur. I'm really busy. Jesus allows me to not sweat the small stuff because yeah. or really not sweat the big stuff either, because when I really understand the truth that God's got it. I mean, look in the when I look at the Old Testament, I get so encouraged The God yeah. Jehovah standing behind the people who. Like, just say, okay, <laughs> the people who agree to, to have the one and only God stand behind them. And the cool part about that is I don't have to do things in my own power anymore. I can ask God for help and I can rely on my intuition pointing me towards the direction that I should go. And I think God works in my life with nut nudges or inspirations and like you had said once love god do as you please not in a weird way but when you love god your desires are lined up with the desires of god and what are the desires of god love god love others serve yeah. others yeah it feels ultimately that's what life is or should be about because when we make life about ourselves it doesn't turn out right when we make life about yeah. Only others, you know, just like a humanitarian, a lot of times, even the Bible says, hey, if you give charity and you tell people you gave and they say good job, then you that's on the Sermon on the Mount. You got your reward already. And it's like, if, if you want to give, give so one hand doesn't see what the other is doing. Give in secret yeah. because it's, we're not trying to get rewards here. Now, God, the golden rule does, Jesus talks about that too. The golden rule does say, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. Now, sometimes what we want done to us may not be what other people want done to them. But I think the idea of what Jesus was saying there is, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, sometimes we don't want to be treated how other people want to be treated. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, and I say that because I got a lot of friends who are like, totally the, Ball busters. I like ball busters, but also it's like, I don't like speaking negative words. I was programmed that by my yeah. mom and words are very powerful. Jesus talks about how powerful words are. And when we use self-deprecating humor or we use uh, hateful humor as humor, I don't really find it funny. <laughs> I mean, some people would. And so, it, you know, the golden rule, I think there's a lot of aspects to it, but um, I think it's basically just being the person that you say you are. And then how do we find out who we are? I think identity is all, anyways, this is a massive topic, but one of the ways yeah, you just, it got, yeah. I think what's interesting about the golden rule, Dave, I'm glad you brought that up, is that in, in many ways, it's a restatement of the second commandment. Um, love your neighbor as you want to be loved, right? As, mm. as you would love yourself if you were them loving you. <laughs> And Jesus says something else profound. This is the paradox of the gospel. He says, if you love your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will gain it to life eternal. And eternal life for Jesus is, it doesn't begin when you die. Eternal life is a kind of life in a relationship with the eternal God. 
What's fascinating about those statements that he makes is that that real life is found when I give myself away first to him and and then to others, really to him by giving it away to, for others. And that's so contrary to what we're told today, that it's all about you living for you. You deserve this. You should be served. You're number one. Well, Jesus went third, right? The son of God left the glory of heaven to become a man in order to uh, serve God the father and then us before considering himself. So Jesus went third. And if you think about it, if we believe that Jesus lived the perfect life, and I believe he did, was he the perfect human being? He absolutely was. He was God in the flesh and he lived the perfect human being, uh, perfect human life by going third, by giving himself to God and to us. And he was full of joy and he prays uh, in in John 15 through 17, as he's praying in the in the in his high priestly prayer right before he goes to the cross, one of the things he says in that prayer is, I pray that that your joy would be like mine and it would be full. So in other words, I want you to be full human beings like I'm a full human being. And how will you do that? By giving yourself away first to God and then to one another, dying to yourself in order to live in and through me. And that's a paradox. To vertical over horizontal, that's where that circles yes. back to. Definitely. A, a vertical relationship, loving God first. And that's why in a Christian marriage, it's both yep. people decide to love God first and that, yep. and then their love for each other grows out of that. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I look at the vertical relationship flowing upward this way and then outward this way. Right. So I have this vertical relationship with God that then floods my life mm. uh, horizontally. Mm-hmm. Right. And so in mo- my most important relationships like marriage, the closer we are in the vertical sense, in, in the closer our hearts are and our spirits are to God, the easier it is for us to be close to one another mm-hmm. horizontally. There's another thing I want to uh, kind of circle also back around to when you were talking about rediscovering the ancient melody, your book, Fire Song. I think one of the things that I had this conversation with you a long time ago was mm. about um, we were designed as eternal souls. And so we, the humanity, if you look at what we're sci-fi is trying to do even people even like ai and everybody's trying to do right now is we're trying to seek living forever on earth in this body and i think the interesting thing is we're trying to seek that because we remember that we are eternal that we were created eternally we're going to die we're going to live forever just not here not like we expect something else so uh, can we touch on that a little bit Yeah, I mean, God created us um, to live forever. I would say technically it's only God is eternal if eternal means existing in both directions. Um, But the way you're defining it, yeah, for sure. We we were created to live uh, forever, but God sustains us forever uh, as we live, right? He's the one who holds us in existence. We don't necessarily live. We're dependent on God. And uh, but we were created to live, not die. That's why death is so wrong. Everything about it is just wrong. It doesn't just it doesn't just hurt. It's like this is just wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. People definitely. get angry about it. It, it. It's just it's not who we were meant to be. The world is not what it was meant to be. Right. I think and we so, know that we know that so much, especially nowadays. Know. But if that's true, then we're we're implying that it should be another way. That's a good point. That's a really good point. And if it should be another way, we need to ask ourselves the question, where does that oughtness come from? Where does that should be come from? And I'm convinced, and, and I do argue this in Firestorm, but it really I plagiarized from the Bible, uh, <laughs> that uh, the, we come from uh, him. We come from the should of being in a right relationship with him. Where we are now is, as, as a race, apart from Christ intervening, uh, we're separated from God. Christ came to bring us back into relationship with God. And by grace, through faith in what Christ has done for us, he restores a relationship with him so that we can move back to the who we were meant to be kind of humanity. Wow. I mean, that it's because when you look in the past, in, in the Old Testament, 
it was literally very few individuals. They had to be extremely strong-willed individuals that talked to God. Like we had mm. Noah who like building a boat the size of a skyscraper on a mountaintop. People are like, <laughs> you're nuts, dude. I mean, God had to choose these hardcore individuals to listen to him because everybody else was too busy listening to whatever they were listening to. But, but in the history of before Jesus, very few people got the opportunity to fully have a relationship with God. They didn't even, there was no, I mean, I guess there was the 10 commandments, but really it wasn't, there was no Jesus. I mean, I've been trying to imagine lately a world without Jesus. Like, boy, if, if Jesus didn't live and die and raise up again, I don't, I mean, I don't know where we'd be. Yeah. Well, I totally, I totally agree. And, you know, the interesting thing about Old Testament uh, saints or people who, who knew God, um, the, the one thing they had in common was humility. They were utterly desperate mm. for God. And if you, if you read, they whether it's Noah, God. Moses or David, oh yeah, they did. And they, there's this great humility. But, you know, I think that the masses had access to God um, uh, as well, um, based mm. on what Jesus would do. And oh, this gets and into that's interesting. theology, but the Old wow. Testament sacrifices that, that happened in the Old Testament, uh-huh. the Old Covenant Testament, uh, excuse me, the sacrifices that happened in the Old Covenant uh, Testament were looking forward to what Christ would do on the cross. And though they didn't understand that necessarily, clearly that's what Jesus was doing. So that people in the Old Testament could enjoy a relationship with God but there was this constant going to the temple every time they end and offering sacrifice. Well, now Jesus has offered the final sacrifice so that we have direct and total access to God just as normal people. And the and other, I love that. That's incredible. And the other incredible thing is before Jesus died and resurrected, we didn't have the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus, like, um, the Holy Spirit wasn't un- living in us. He wasn't living in us. So we, but he was with us. He was he, with okay. God's people, but he wasn't in us yet. And so because when Jesus came, like when Jesus healed people from sickness or even rose people from the dead, they didn't live forever as physical humans. Like they still lived their life and died. But right. he told them not to go sin again because they didn't have yeah. the Holy Spirit inside them when he was alive, even after he healed them. When he died and resurrected, the, un- the Holy Spirit was unleashed on t- onto all of us that we could right. and 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 as a full human Jesus was healing people Jesus was and then Jesus said that we could do what he did and even greater things but I think what he was referring to was now he's cuz he healed using the holy spirit the holy spirit was healing through his humanity in my view of it I think and then he gives it to us and says now you can go heal we're not healing because we're healing anybody, we would, if we were going to heal someone, it's because the power of the Holy Spirit is now living inside of us, right? Is that, in, is that right? Um, yeah, you, you, you've uncovered a labyrinth of a whole lot of questions. I know, right I there, probably did. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about it, but man, that's, that's intense. That's a deep that gets one. into the question of the relationship between the the deity of Christ and the Holy Spirit. It gets into, um, well, maybe that's the John a whole... 14, 17. I'm with the spirit is with you. He will be in you. I'm not sure you want to get into that. Maybe that's a whole but, episode. We'll, we'll just tackle one day. <laughs> yeah. We can just play with it, you know? Okay, cool. We'll solve, let's do one on the problem of evil, one on this one on, <laughs> let's do it. I'm, I'm in. I, I'm in. No, I'm kidding. I was saying you couldn't solve those problems in one episode. Yeah. Saying, but... Okay. Cause so let's just circle back around. Let's just kind of tie this one up then. So, Bringing this together, we've talked about a lot of pieces of Christianity, spirituality, Jesus, and other things. So as far as holistic health, what is a few um, maybe um, pieces of advice, nuggets, or chunks that you could give people to take away from this episode about spirituality, holistic health, and Jesus? Well, I guess the question I would ask is, how are you doing? Um, and I don't mean, you know, what's your um, uh, body fat percentage or, you know, how far you can run or climb, but how are you doing? 
how are you? What's happening deep within you? And I think we need to take a personal inventory. And um, we fear acknowledging sometimes that we're broken or that we're hurting yeah. or that we're not healthy. Something isn't quite right. In fact, a lot of times we can over pursue the physical or the social health when our spiritual health is really lagging and what we really need is spiritual health. And so I guess I would ask, how are you doing? And, um, you know, just know that Jesus says uh, that he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. I will give you what he calls shalom, peace, rightness. You were made for him. And until, until we we're, we're, we're in that right relationship with God and he is um, bringing that peace that you described a minute ago, Dave, that, that calmness, no matter what we're facing into our lives, then it, we can be as physically healthy as we want, but we're still not doing okay. Hmm. We can be socially active and everybody can love us. And we can have a great social life, you know, great sex life, great family life, whatever you want to say. So I guess I would just be have the courage to ask deeper questions. Mm, good, yeah. And then understand that there are those deep questions will require deeper answers that go beyond physical things. That could be a little fearful sometimes. To yeah, yeah. you're right to, to to tackle those questions for all of us. Yeah, because that's the yeah. real part. That's the real part about life. I, I, I am done with surface questions anymore. It's like. The surface huh. stuff I, I did for 30 years of my life, I didn't even realize necessarily I was doing it. I didn't well, know how to go deep. I mean, well, maybe 20 years. I mean, we, when I first met you, we, we started going deep. And that was, it was a yeah. lot, it was really a lot of fun just really digging yeah. in. <laughs> you remember that? The coffee yeah. shop, Extreme Bean and <laughs> Tempe. That's right, man. <laughs> Four Peaks. Oh, yeah. Four Peaks. Yeah, we had those uh, discussions over, over beers. That was, that was so great. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the kilt lifter. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. But, well, I think people, we need to be willing to ask the tough questions. Yeah. You know, we do all sorts of physical analysis. We need to be willing to do some spiritual analysis. And the good news is that there is that there are answers uh, to to our brokenness. There's the answer. Jesus says, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life." Mm -hmm. And so, if you want that life, that okayness, that sense of shalom, peace, and the rest, yeah, deep down in your soul that allows you to flourish in every other way in your life, then you're only going to find it in Him, in my view. Yeah, I remember you saying once any question you could even think of asking has already been asked, asked and answered many times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you can get the answer. It's really true. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you so much, John. This was this was awesome. I think that uh, yeah. I hope that everybody watching feels a little bit enlightened about who the person of Jesus is. If you have any questions, put them in the comments below because I really want to see if what you guys think about this topic. I know this is a this is a tough topic to talk about in the world today because there's so many views on religion, spirituality, and this is not to condemn anybody here. This is just to deepen your experience and your knowledge about the, I mean, there are a lot of, people that believe in Jesus. And it's like, when you, when you ask yourself why that is, it's because it's, once you really dig in and spend the work about asking the questions, it's, I mean, it's, it's not really, it's not disprovable. I think many people have tried to disprove it. So just dig in for yourself, but this is certainly not to condemn. This is just to open your eyes on some deep thoughts and questions. Yeah. And that's what this is about. Yeah. And it's okay not to have all the answers. That's a really good thing to point out, John, because I, I think for me in my uh, past, maybe even now, it's really hard to be able to not have the answers. I mean, for yeah. maybe any people with, have a little bit of OCD or something, it's like we're always trying to figure things out. And without <laughs> – this is one also practical things about knowing that I'm not God, knowing that God's got it. I don't have yeah. to know everything anymore all i have oh, to do so, right. is move forward every day with love 
loving people, yeah. loving myself, and understanding that I was created with unique purpose, as were you, to accomplish. This is the cool thing about Jesus, too. One with everything, one with nothing, like Buddhism and Hinduism, isn't my bad, baby, because you know what? Jesus said, you are unique. You are not like anybody else. You're created with a unique fingerprint that's different. So there's a passion that God put inside you that you can unlock. But if it, we, we just have to really put our priorities in order and get that vertical relationship yeah. opened, at least the communication yeah. opened and find someone else who you can talk to because about, about this, because I think uh, finding a person who understands who Jesus of the Bible was can be like confession. You can find a pastor or a priest, but if you find a friend who knows Jesus, I think sometimes that can also be confession. What do you think about that, John? It depends what you mean by confession, right? That's true. Um, I love what you're saying about, um, about, you know, if well, one interesting way to look at it might be to set a spiritual goals, mm, just okay. like set physical goals. I like that. What does that look like? Well, for example, I think you've already hit on it, Dave, is stick with the red letters and discover who mm. Jesus is. Yeah. If you haven't spent any time really reading what Jesus said, then mm -hmm. how can you have an opinion about him? That's mm -hmm. anything beyond just kind of what other people have told you kind of pieced together. Yeah. So maybe a spiritual goal uh, for the next month or two is to read through the red letters yes. in the New Testament. That's in, in, in an excellent Matthew, first Mark, step. John. Uh, yeah. And then begin to ask, maybe another goal would be to begin to explore um, who did Jesus claim to be? Who did he say he was? And look yeah. through and see all the times he makes a claim about himself. Yeah. Maybe pick up a, a book or two on these things. Yeah. You know, obviously, I'd bias, I'm biased toward Firesong. Yes. Right? Definitely. But Go to Amazon. Plug, you can but, pick it up. It's, it's a great book. The other thing that you have is Theotalk. There's a whole series you guys can check out. Actually, <laughs> the book is here, Theotalk, Who is Jesus? You can get this on Amazon right now, and you can also go to YouTube, and you can watch the entire series of this book. Now, this is a workbook, so you can really get a lot out of it, but this is on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Wish you had a copy of the book there. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I don't have a Good. copy of Fire Song, unfortunately. I got to get one. But, uh, yeah. So I'm going to send you. I'm working on two, and we're going to send you all my edits for that book you just held up because I've now tested it through with disciples, and man, cool. it, it it has been hardcore powerful. Oh, awesome! So, Excellent. Yeah. Thank you so much, John. I love you, bro. I love you too, man. It's good to see you. You're looking really sexy. Thanks. I've been walking every day doing the Nutra Challenge. You look great, dude. You really <laughs> genuinely look good. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for the Healthy and Family Show. Visit our website at healthyandfamily.com. That's healthyandfamily.com to see what all the other doctors, experts, and real moms have to say about keeping your whole family healthy. This episode has been brought to you by CompleteNutro.com, Whole Family Nutrition, and aired on the Goldstone Network. People, planet, future. Uh, you know, I'm glad I started hot yoga again. Yeah. To stay yeah. up with you. Now I'm going to get Marty to do my hair. <laughs> exactly. I got a so great hairstylist. He does your hair. Yeah. Yeah, and he, uh, he, he's my roommate, so it's easy for me to get a haircut during COVID-19. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, it hasn't been. Eaten. Melissa cut my hair last. Nice. Oh. The, when when I was younger, my mom would cut my hair, and I do remember one time, she cut my ear. It was a nice chunk out of it. Seriously, dude, that's <laughs> awful. she's like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry." I'm like, "What happened?" The blood dripping down my ear. I'm like, <laughs> "But you know what? I didn't learn because I was a kid, so we just kept doing it." She just she learned. She just didn't yeah. cut my ear again. <laughs> You pulled a Mike Tyson on you. Yeah, exactly. She just didn't well, bite it off. <laughs> I'm glad that you're spending time in the Sermon on the Mount, Dave. And yeah. I think, you know, Jesus does. I like, and I like your tether language. I think, really make that true, my friend. Make yeah. him your tether and allow him to be your tether. But sometimes a tether really jerks you up short, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes you, you know? need a little bit of a jerk. But I think and it's really because 
the darkness is so vast. And when, when you start, I like to explore, like I said, life in general, but the darkness is everywhere. And then when you, when you start scratching on, especially in Hollywood, like trying to make movies, there's, there's a lot of darkness that's hidden. And I, and, and so, and it starts seeming after a while, it all seems normal. It's like, I kind of fall into the rhythm of being programmed by whatever I'm around in the moment. And, right and it, it's like, I do need that thump, snap myself back into gear. And then I need to like do this a little yeah. bit, which means, and the practical way to do that, you're right. Practice. It's daily practice yeah. of the red letters. It's taking the Bible, shrinking it down to such a manageable size um, where yeah. it's just the New Testament, red letters, words of Jesus. And, yeah. and it's like, it feels like a manual. This was great, bro. I, my, I want to encourage you to do one more thing. Okay. Um, so I have a, this series in Matthew. You'll find it at citychurchboise.com. I did a whole series on the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, okay. You know, I'll, so I, I I'll was link that up to this episode. 20 or 25 sermons. I mean. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm so just listen through those. Dive in, bro, and let's start talking about it. Okay. I'm in because the Sermon on the Mount, I need to. I, just like a good coach would tell you, practice the fundamentals over and yeah. over if you want to get good. Yeah. Hey, buddy, I love you. I'll see you soon. Love you too, bro. Later.